Hey, it's Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch with Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories Mailbag. It's a bonus episode. This is where we uh, go and, you know, look at all the letters that you sent us, try to answer the, to the best of our ability. We're going to do it again today. Thank you. It's we are the story guys at gmail.com. We appreciate uh, your feedback, your input, your ideas uh, like we got from Jeremy. Jeremy writes the show. He says, greetings, gentlemen. I, yes. appre- I, I appreciate that greeting. That's nice. Me I, too. To feel respected and, and loved. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy your show. I always look forward to your next episode, and I save it for when I'm working in the shop. I don't know what kind of Sweet. shop you're working in, but be careful. Make sure you got the gloves. If it's like a yeah. metal shop or whatever. Or if it's like yeah. if you're working in like a convenience store, make sure you got the security cameras on. I'm just thinking about your safety. Anyway, uh, I've listened to every episode. And listen, he, 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 listen to this aside he gives us. I've listened to every episode, even the Billy Squire one. I love that. He's just throwing I mean, shade. He's throwing shade yeah. at Squire. And Squire still is the man who wrote my favorite Christmas song of all time. So I, I don't know if I can put up with the with the shade. Anyway, here, here's what Jeremy says. Jeremy says, I was at the indie show, and then I had to, I was like, what is he talking about? And I quickly realized that in Jeremy's head, when he wrote this letter, he had just listened to our episode about Guns N' Roses taking forever to get on stage. And it, uh, if you remember in that episode, we had found some writings from a guy who worked in the production side of the Indianapolis, Indiana show of that tour back in 92. And so yeah. this is what he's referencing. So we, we get from a listener, a first-hand account of being at that show, which is cool. I was at the indie show. My friend offered me a ticket as his girlfriend's parents wouldn't let her go suddenly. I had moved on from Metallica by then. Parentheses. A friend bought it at midnight when it came out and picked me up that morning. We listened to it before school, and I thought it sounded like heavy Bob Seger. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. He called the Black Album heavy Bob Seger. That is funny. That's one of the funnier things I've heard in a while. And I think it's kind of spot on. I, I mean, it's it like, is, what, right? It, remember, it, remember remember they covered Turn the Page? I was going to say, it made a lot of sense when they covered Turn the Page. We were all like, well, we didn't see that coming, but it sort of totally made sense. Uh, apparently, Jeremy saw that coming. Uh, he said, I knew, black, I knew when I heard it, even though I thought it sounded like Heavy Bob Seger, that it was going to be huge and that women would like it. On the flip side, I wasn't looked at as much as a, as much of a freak in my small town with my Metallica shirts now since they went, quote-unquote, mainstream. And then into parentheses. And I was way beyond GNR, but why not go to a free show? So, we get off work, we drive two-plus hours, we miss the first song of Faith No More, but they put on a great show. And after a reasonable amount of time, Metallica comes on, puts on a good show as expected, and then the wait begins. People are getting restless, and finally GNR come on. The a-hole, he doesn't even call him Axel, the a-hole immediately starts ranting about something. Seems like they play a song or two. Then there's more ranting. Then there's a temper tantrum. We look at each other with WTF expressions and in true rock and roll fashion, yell at each other, fuck this, I have to work in the morning. That, <laughs> that's right. Rock and roll so bad that all a guy can think of is work tomorrow. I'm surprised the wow, government hasn't great. weaponized this. <laughs> Though then again, it could explain the auditory hellscape that is commercial radio. The military wow. did use GNR to get Noriega out of the Vatican embassy, so I guess I'm behind the curve. Is that true? Yeah. I, I don't I know I used to have a list of all the songs they played at Guantanamo Bay because I you know, the artists found out about it and and they generally all were appalled 
at what they were doing. Yeah, so we, we talked about rock and roll versus torture way back in the mm-hmm. first year or so of wow. the show. Yeah, and so eons we, ago. We dig into that a little bit, and I does this does ring a bell. I, I think he's right. Apparently, we weren't the only people who felt the same way, as there were plenty of other people grumbling and heading for the doors that night. I like to imagine that this was the show that his this was the show where his mic got pissed on because you remember that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep up the great work, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for the letter. That's very nice, Jeremy. I appreciate you. Uh, then we heard from our mutual friend Dan, who who provided us with oh. this story that I absolutely love. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, around 2001, I was a promotion director at a rock and roll radio station, and we hosted Poison, Dokken, and Cinderella in a half-sold 6,000-seat venue, and we were doing stuff backstage. I'm we, so excited. We mostly cleared out after our pre-show broadcast, but right before Dokken was supposed to take the stage, I was looking for one of the radio station employees, and so I went past the barricade with my pass, and I almost knocked Reb Beach on his ass because he was standing there in the dark with his guitar. I'm not sure who was more surprised. I said, oh, hey, Reb, big fan. Sorry, I'm looking for one of our guys back here. And he says, oh, hey, man, nice to meet you. Sorry I haven't seen anybody. Uh, Hey, have you met Wild Mick Brown? And (laughs) right there, he introduced me to one of the all-time great 80s rock drummers who had just walked up. It was a very cool moment for an 80s rock child. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Thanks for the letter, Dan. That's awesome. That's a, uh, what a fantastic story. And that, of course, is in response to our Kip Winger episode, if you have not heard that one. Um, yeah. And then we're back to the, the GNR feedback. I will say, um, there is no faster way for the inbox to fill up than to talk about GNR on this show. Every time. And I appreciate that. Uh, GNR has given us a lot of good things to talk about over the years but this one we got from Sarah and, and here's what I love about the the note from Sarah she also brings up first of all she also brings up Van Halen which we've talked about recently on the show in relation to Fred Durst and she just starts the letter by saying devoted listener and I wanted to chime in colon <laughs> yes so go for it to, Sarah to the point go for it uh, and here she goes with with some great anecdotes. I worked at Great Woods Center for the Performing Arts, an open-air amphitheater located in Mansfield, Massachusetts, back when I was in high school and for a few years after in the concession booth for the summers between 1991 and mm-hmm. 1997. Oh, those were great years, I think, if I could just remember them. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> You're like Ozzy in 84. Uh, She says, I saw capital A, capital L, capital O, capital T. I saw a lot. I was working the night that Gary Sharon walked off of his hometown show. Do you know this story? No. I I thought I never heard him about him doing that. So here's what she says. She says she was there. Soon after the band started, there was an abrupt stop. And then the sign lit up. There was a sign near the backstage entrance where I was located. That light went on when the house lights went up. The one vivid detail I have is a guy screaming, You ruined my band, Gary! Through the fucking fence. It was wild. Oh my god. (laughs) That's like something out of Wayne's World. Yeah, it is. You ruined my band. I also saw Faith No More open for GNR on the double tour with Metallica at the old mm. Foxborough Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Yeah. 
at that show, I saw Slash get on top of the grand piano and make a kick motion at Axel, who was on the piano. Axel took a swing at Slash's leg. And this was a rescheduled show from when Axel got hit in the dick with a Bic lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that story? <laughs> Uh, the no, the big the big lighter on the dick. I don't know the big lighter. On the dick. <laughs> I've never heard that one. I mean, I've heard a lot of them. But. Sarah's writing is so proper. And then I was just when the first time I read this, I was like, wait, what? What did she say? Um, so uh, Jesus, that's a whole other story. That's what she says about that. I I <laughs> did hear that when GNR opened for Aerosmith in Mansfield, Massachusetts, that they stayed at the Holiday Inn that was in town. And there was this rumor, I love this, and I tried to see if I could verify this, and I have not been able to yet. There was a rumor that Axel retold the Scarlet Letter to a girl who hadn't read it yet, but was supposed to have it done for summer reading. I don't know Mm. which high school, but I Mm. always thought that was a cool story. That's so weird. (laughs) That's so strange. That reminds me of the... Brett Michaels buying the guitar at the mall in Ohio, which we did verify. Right, that that actually happened. We verified that that actually happened. I would love to verify that Axl Rose once recited or at least explained the plot of the Scarlet Letter to a girl in high school. Can you just imagine what that looked like? I, I, I can't. I can't even get my head around it. I saw that tour uh, too, where they were opening up for Aerosmith and they had the number one record in the country and they're opening up for somebody. Yeah. And I heard, I heard, and I never, I don't never confirm this because it was so long ago that, you know, this is past done with mirrors like Aerosmith's coming back, um, that they all had their own bus and they all had their own, um, sponsor or drug alcohol counselor on their own bus. So they had like a babysitter person, like watching all five of them. And so, their individual buses. So you you mentioned that, and it's interesting because I, when we talked recently on the show briefly about Blind Melon and about Shannon Hoon, and in some of that research, digging a little deeper about him and his history, that when he dies, he was supposed to have, part of the whole going on that last tour for Soup thing was he had a guy with him. He was supposed to have a drug counselor with him the whole time. And a week into the tour, they fire the guy. Which was clearly <laughs> clearly not the right move, yeah. uh, but and and ends tragically. But that I mean, yeah, that is you hear those rumors about you know the drug counselors on the bus on on more than one tour. Um, so I like I keep coming back to this idea of what it would be like for Axel <laughs> to be sitting. Let's just let's call this young high school girl Rachel. Okay, he's like mm-hmm. yo Rachel. Like so it's. It's the story of Hester Prynne, man, and she like conceives a daughter with this guy who she's not married to and struggles to create a new life of repentance and dignity, and as a punishment, she's got to wear a scarlet letter A. You know what the A stands for? Axel? No, adultery. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my my God, so stupid. So here's how Sarah ends her letter. She says... After telling this story about Axl Rose and the Scarlet Letter, she just writes in one sentence, broken away from the paragraph, and that guy was late when I saw them both times. <laughs> All the best, Sarah. Sarah, what a great letter. Thank you so much uh, yeah. for, for writing the show. And uh, listen, if you have thoughts, if you have stories to tell us about things we talk about, if you have personal anecdotes, we love to hear these stories about the shows that you've seen the people you've seen in concert, the crazy stuff you see, the people yelling through the fence 
uh, all that stuff. Uh, please hit us up. It's we are the story guys at gmail.com and you can get involved on our Patreon too. When you get involved Patreon. on our Patreon, patreon.com slash rock and roll bedtime stories, it opens up like a different inbox for us where you can do really quick back and forth talking with us via the Patreon. So if you uh, want to do that, that's just another advantage along with the, the audio. There's an outtake from the most recent episode up there. There's an outtake from our Fred Durst episode. Um, that's the most recent stuff we've put up there for our Patreon subscribers. Plus you get a weekly newsletter and other ways to get involved. Instagram.com backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. And until next time, Murdoch, uh, what should we, what, what do we want people to keep doing? Keep writing us letters and keep telling stories. Stories. Oh, Hester Prynne, she had the letter. <laughs>